sometimes you feel like that God has rained down blessings on, our, on us at, at certain occasions. And, and I want to thank everyone that's, that's participated in this Super Sabbath. From the music that's been so beautiful. Thank you, David. <clears throat> I always have a hard time after he sings that song. It's <laughs> it really does affect my heart. Um, to those that really spent a lot of time thinking about putting this together and what what it took to put it together, um, and I know it's a little short time, but it still takes a lot of planning, and we're very thankful that you've been able to come and, and join us. Those especially of you that are that. Um, have traveled here to come and visit with us. We're thankful and we're, we're blessed. And God has blessed you because you have come and worshipped on his day. I wanted to say something uh, to those that, are, that may tune into this. This is a very special, this is a day in which God has set aside. It's one of his holy days. And one very special person who's laying on and may not make it, Tom McMurray. Tom would always tune in to us right there. He would look. He would see. He would, he would tune in. And I know he was a very faithful young man. And he is very young for the things that he's had to go through. And, and it hurts me a little bit today that uh, he's, he's not going to be with us. And um, I'm, I'm hoping that God will intervene, bring that about. But if not, I know in him was God's Holy Spirit. And he will, will be in that kingdom. And I will get to see him. And we will all get to see him. This is the, the first day of unleavened bread. And I want to make sure that I say unleavened. Because I have said leaven before, and, I, and my wife was, oh boy, you know, here he goes. <laughs> Must be Alzheimer's setting in. And I did that a long time ago, so I know I have a problem with that. But this is this very, very special, because now we're starting this cycle all over again. We came, and we, um, we washed one another's feet, and we took of those wonderful, beautiful emblems that... Um, showed Christ's sacrifice and what he gave for all of us. And so, on this day, this first day of unleavened bread, let's turn to that place in the Bible that talks about these holy days and why I think everyone should be keeping these days. Because it says, and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them concerning the feast of the Lord. As I've said so many times over the years, they're not Matt's feast, they're not my feast, they're not anyone's feast but the Lord's feast. And it's important to understand that. These are the feasts of the Lord, which you shall proclaim. And that's what we're doing. By our presence, we're proclaiming. And I'm hoping that if someone tunes in that you are challenged to look in to Leviticus 23. Please, and understand how important it is. You could have a change in your life, because there are a lot of us in this room whose lives have been changed because we understand the truth of the feast of the Lord. To proclaim to be holy convocations, even these are my feasts. Six days shall work be done, but the seventh is the Sabbath of rest. A holy convocation. You shall do no work therein. It is the Sabbath of the Lord in all your dwellings. And these are the feasts of the Lord, even the holy convocations. That means holy assemblies, time that is holy. Today is holy time, brethren. It is wonderful. We come before God. And he says in the 14th day of the first month, at even is the Lord's Passover. And the 15th day of the same month is the Feast of Unleavened Bread to the Lord. Seven days 
You must eat unleavened bread. That's a command from the Lord. Seven days. Seven days. I wrote it up there. Seven days of unleavened. Seven days unleavened. You must eat unleavened bread. And so we do. We, we get that whole, uh, we, whether it's cooked or whether we buy it, whatever. And of course, some of us have been around for a long time. Remember the very unleavened bread of affliction that we used to have to take. Thankfully, there was a lot more to choose from now, and some also are very good at cooking, and we appreciate that very much. Oh, and by the way, I want to thank those that are, that are working back there um, constantly, it seems like, to make sure that we have something to eat, some, uh, some, some things for breakfast and all of them. Thank you very much. I don't know whether you're, you're hearing me or not, if you're back there, but I want to thank all of you. Yes, please. Uh, everyone that has had an opportunity to, to serve today uh, uh, on this Super Sabbath um, Holy Days. Thank you very much. We are to eat unleavened bread for, for seven days. You shall must eat it. In the first day you shall have a holy convocation. Here we are, a holy convocation. You shall do no servile work therein. But you shall offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. Seven days uh, in the seven days of um, seven days in the seventh day is a holy convocation. You shall do no servile work therein. So on the Sabbath coming up, we will celebrate the um, seventh day of unleavened bread. And Barnabas has the, the message, and we we will be preparing some things, and you're invited to come back. You're invited to, to join us again on that final day. So we're looking forward um, to all those things. And you know, it's interesting. The, the scriptures are so full of information uh, about the blood and about the things that Christ sacrificed. Um, but if you just took this, and this is all you, well, it's just seven days of unleavened bread. How do we understand how do we come to a greater understanding of what this means? What this is all about? What it means to be unleavened? If, if all of it was just those seven days, then, then, there was, then the, you wouldn't really be understanding the meaning of this, these holy days. In other words, okay, first day, last day, all these, and that's it. There's no, there are more to it. But God has given us a richness of understanding of what these days are all about. And it's quite interesting that it was Paul that kind of expounded this in a very difficult situation for him. He had a church in which they had a problem. And he needed to solve that problem. He needed to come in and he needed to correct them. And he did. So let's go to 1 Corinthians now, um, the fifth chapter. And let's see what Paul says and brings in these days. Helping us to understand the deeper meaning of it. 1 Corinthians, the fifth chapter. It was a very grievous situation that he, that he was facing. He says it's reported commonly that there is fornication among you. And such fornication is not so much named among the Gentiles that one should have his father's wife. Now this was very serious in this church. And you are puffed up. You are puffed up. That means you're... You're kind of inflated with it. You're, you're kind of like a balloon. You're all puffed up over it. Or arrogant, as my Bible has, uh, says. You're arrogant about it. And have not rather mourned that he has done this deed and might be taken away from among you. Now, Paul is very serious about this. And he's very serious. And of course, sometimes we have to be very serious about things that they come, up, come about in the church. 
For verily, as absent in body and present in spirit, have judged already as though I were present concerning him that has done this deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together in my spirit with power of our Lord Jesus Christ, to deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. That's interesting um, that Paul is not putting him out um, permanently, but it wants him to repent. And if he repents, he can come back. Your glorying, he says to the church, to all the members of the church, your glorying is not good. Know you not that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? So here we are. Here is a situation, and now Paul is explaining about leaven and how it leavens. Any of us that have ever baked um, understand. You put a little leaven in there, and it puffs it up. It makes it fluffy. And, and so there's, there's several uh, baking, baking powder, baking soda, uh, all the different things. And of course, if you, left, if you, if you want a starter, which, which is what the Israelites had, they would put some flour and some water and put it together and they'd let it sit out. And the spores in the air would eventually leaven it. And so they could take a little bit of that out and put it into their bread and it would puff it up. They would have to throw that out and then they'd have to come back. Well, we throw out the already manufactured stuff and uh, we get it out of our house. We throw it away for these seven days. Seven days. I might explain something about, the, about seven so that we've got this in our mind. Seven to God is perfection. This is the, because he created all things in the first six days, you know, and then on the seventh, he rested. He made it complete. Seven is completion. Seven is, to God is, is perfection. So, we are to keep the days of unleavened bread for seven days. That also adds to the importance of that. And we'll get around to a little bit deeper thinking about that here in a second. Not that a little leaven leavens the whole lump. He says then, purge out therefore that old leaven, that sinfulness, that puffed upness, purge that out, get rid of that, that you may be a new lump as you are unleavened, for even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. So we see how that is tied together, the Passover, the days of unleavened bread, how they, and we've been tying that together, what we've been preaching, what we've been teaching, and the Passover itself, tying it in together, and helping us to see how Christ's sacrifice, and, and, and the days of unleavened bread now, and that sacrifice, and putting out, that old leaven, that old sinful self out of ourselves. So, that you may be a new lump. That you may be a new lump. That's what we're, we're shooting for. We have seven days that we work on that. We eat unleavened bread. But is that all there is? Is that all there is? Therefore, let us keep the feast. So, here Paul is telling this church to keep the feast. Not with the old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened, and they have bread in italics, unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. But it's unleavened yourself. You are unleavened. You become unleavened of sincerity and truth by putting God's word and having Christ in you. He says, then he goes on in correction and helping them to understand that. I wrote to you in an epistle not to accompany with fornicators, yet not altogether with the fornicators of the world or with the covetous or extortioners or with idolaters. Then would you need to have go out of the world? Isn't that the truth? Um, 
I'd like to interject this someplace, and I guess this is as good as any. When it comes down to the days of unleavened bread, it is one of the most appropriate things in this world that we live in. You cannot go into a store in which you don't walk down at least one aisle in which there are 11 products. And in fact, now you still have to be very, very careful if you're going to buy a cracker off of, you know, off of the shelf. You better be checking because it's liable to have leavening in it. And we have found products that were unleavened before have become leavened now. I don't know if that's a thought that if you were unleavened and then you decide to become leavened again, we won't go there. Anyway, what it's pointing out here is how important it is for us not to be a part of the world and not to have that influence us. But now I have written to you not to keep company if any man that is called a brother be a fornicator or covetous or an idolater or a railer or a drunkard or an extortioner with, uh, with such a one uh, uh, do not eat. Uh, uh, no, not one not to eat. For what I have to do to judge them also that are, uh, that are outside, do not judge them that are, that are do, <laughs> do not you judge them that are inside. Sorry about that. But them that are outside, God judges. Therefore, put away from among yourselves that wicked person. So this was a, this had a, a, a quite of a broad range of, of things that he was teaching that congregation. And we teach this on a regular basis. Sometimes I do at the Feast uh, of Unleavened Bread when I get a chance to. Because I think this helps us to really understand about leaven and unleaven. About purging out that which is leaven to become unleavened. Perfection number seven. Let's get to that. Let's go now to Exodus, the 16th chapter. Reg had a very good message on all of the... Uh, the gods of Egypt and how, how God, you know, <laughs> knocked them in the, in the head every time that uh, they tried to do something. And miracle after miracle after miracle, and yet the Israelites still didn't get it. Exodus 16. And here we find something, an, a tremendous miracle. We find that, that God is very patient. And sometimes he had to, to correct it, the Israelites uh, with some, some very terrible things and, and even kill a few of them. And, but they, were, they had agreed, and they were going to agree to, to what he was uh, putting forth. And so... They started murmuring about not having anything to eat, and yet they had all this cattle, but I guess that many people out there, if they all killed all their cattle off, they, they really wouldn't have anything, and they wouldn't have anything to sacrifice. So they were all murmuring, and in, in Exodus, the 16th chapter, said they took their journey from Elam, and, uh, and all the congregation of the children of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the four, 15th day of the second month after their departing out of the land of Egypt, and the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron, on, uh, Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said to them, Would to God that we have died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. Oh, we just loved all those, uh, those gods. We, we loved them. Even though God just got through just almost destroying Egypt. When we sat by the flesh pots and when we did eat bread at the full before you have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. And then said the Lord to Moses, Behold, I'll rain bread from heaven for you, 
and the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day that I may prove them whether they will walk in my ways. And it shall come to pass that on the sixth day they shall prepare that which they bring in, and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. And Moses and Aaron said to all the children of Israel, This evening then you shall know the Lord has brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you shall uh, see the glory of the Lord, for that he hears your murmurings against the Lord, and what, you, um, and what are we that uh, you murmur against us? And Moses says, this shall be uh, when the Lord shall give you in the evening flesh to eat, and in the morning bread to the full, for the Lord hears your murmurings, which you murmur against him. And what are we? Your murmurings are not against us, but against the Lord. Constantly murmuring against the Lord. And, and Moses, um, and it came to pass, as Aaron spoke the whole congregation of the children of Israel, that they looked towards the wilderness. And behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. And the Lord said, spoke to Moses, saying, I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel. Speak to them, saying, At evening you shall eat flesh, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God. And it came to pass that that evening the quails came up, covered the camp, in the morning the dew lay around about the host. And when the dew that lay um, was gone up, behold, upon the face of the wilderness, there lay a small round thing as small as the hoarfrost on the ground. And when the children of Israel saw it, they said unto one another, It is manna, or it is what's it? For they knew not what it was. And Moses said to them, This is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. This is the thing that the Lord has commanded. Gather of it every man according to his eating, and omer for every man according to the number uh, of your persons. Take you every man for them which are uh, in his tents. And the children of Israel did so, and gathered some more, some less. And when they did, meet it with an omer. He that gathered much had nothing more over, and he that gathered little had no lack. They gathered every man according to his eating. And Moses said, Let no man leave it till morning, Notwithstanding, they hearkened not to Moses, but some of them left it until the morning and did breed worms and stunk. And Moses was angry with them. So miracle after miracle after miracle, God was trying to, to, to get through to the Israelites. And they gathered it every morning, every man according to his eating. And when the sun waxed hot, it melted. And it came to pass that in the sixth day they gathered twice as much uh, uh, bread, two omers for one man. And all the rulers of the congregation came to Moses and said to him, This is that which the Lord has said. Tomorrow is the rest of the Holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake that which you will bake today, and sieve that you will sieve, and that remains uh, over, lay it, but you, um, remains over, lay up for you to be kept until the morning. And they laid it up until the morning, as Moses had, uh, did, and it did not stink. Neither were there any worms therein. And, and for uh, shortness sake here, uh, we know what they did. They, some of them went out and, and on the Sabbath day to look around to see if there was anything. There wasn't anything. And God was very displeased with them. But for 40 years, he provided this manna. And it wasn't until they crossed the Jordan River into the Promised Land that the bread ceased. Every day, every Friday, they had two portions, and they kept the Sabbath year, a day after day after day, year after year for 40 years. What? Now, those are miracles. That's a miracle that God provided. Now, let's look at a tremendous miracle that is for us. And we, we can come from, an, we, we can gather a great understanding. We can understand how important the Sabbath is to God <laughs> because of what he did for them, teaching them the Sabbath over and over and over again. Let's go to John, the sixth chapter. Let's tie now this in to our Savior, Jesus Christ, because he explains this and who he is and what 
he has brought. He is the true bread. He says, let's see, where did I want to start? Um, He had just fed them, the 5,000. And so in verse 26, he says, Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Seek me not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat the loaves and were filled. Pretty straightforward. Labor not for the meat which perishes, but for that meat which endures for everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give you. For him has God the Father sealed. Then said they to him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? That's a a very good question. Jesus answered very succinctly, This is the work of God, that you believe on him who he has sent. And that's what we're here for, to believe on the one who was sent, Jesus Christ. And we know now, many, many years later, when he is at the right hand of the Father, but we go over this, and we, we, we build an understanding. We build a truth from this, because these are the words that are so vital for us to understand. They said, therefore, to him, What side show you then that we may see and believe you? What do you work? Our fathers did eat manna in the desert, as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. So here's the tie-in. And then Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. Remember, the bread was given by God, uh, even though they believed that Moses was the one that kind of uh, (laughs) brought it to them. And and Jesus corrects them. It wasn't Moses, it was God. But my Father now is bringing you the true bread. He's bringing you the true bread. They, They knew that the Israelites were receiving the manna in the wilderness. And so now Jesus is going to teach them about the true bread. I say, um, my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is He which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then said they to Him, Lord, evermore, give us this bread. And Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He that comes to me shall never hunger. He that believes on me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you also have seen me and believe not. It's like the 40 years in the wilderness and they didn't believe God. They murmured constantly. And here Jesus come. And he he brought miracles after miracle. Healings after healings. And then he, what's he, and you believe not. But I say to you that you also have seen me and believe not. All that the Father gives me shall come to me, and him that comes to me I will not in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do my will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which has sent me, that of um, of all of which he has given me I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again in the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which sees the Son and believes on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up in the last day. That is a promise, brethren. We see him in in the holy days. That's what the holy days are all about. They make so much sense when you tie in Jesus to these days. They really do. They make so much sense. They are so profound. The Jews murmured at him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he says, I came down from heaven? Jesus therefore answered and said to them, Murmur not among yourselves. No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him, and I will raise him up in the last day. It is written in the prophets, and, and they which will be taught of God, every man therefore that has heard, and has learned of the Father comes to me. Not that any man has seen the Father, save he which is uh, is of God, he has seen the Father. Verily, verily, I say to you, he that believes on me 
has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Seven is perfection. Seven days we eat unleavened. Seven days pictures a, a completion. Our life should be filled for every week with the true bread of life, Jesus Christ. He is the true bread of life. So when we partake of that this week, think of Jesus. Think of the unleavened Jesus coming into your life, living in you. We have some things that I'm going to talk about, but I've got enough time here in a little bit. We'll talk about it. He says, um, he says, I am that bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness, and they're dead. This is the bread which came down from heaven, and a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. The bread that I give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. And the Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give his flesh to eat? And Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoso eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up in the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eats my flesh and drinks my blood dwells in me, and I in him. Whoa, now we've tied in the Passover too. The days of unleavened bread, the Passover, Jesus just explained it all. Just gave us all this wonderful information, helping us to understand. As the living Father has sent me, I live by the Father, so that he eats me, he that eats me, even he shall also live by me. This is that bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead, he that eats this bread shall live forever. Every year that we keep the days of unleavened bread, we are reminded of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and a promise of eternal life. It is so beautiful and wonderful. Let's, I'd like to, to get a couple more things in. Uh, before I run out of time here. Let's go to Hebrews, the third chapter. One of the things that... Uh, there's an object lesson about believing in the book of Hebrews. And it starts in, in chapter 3 of Hebrews. Wherefore, holy brethren... Who, who's he talking to? <laughs> Wherefore, holy brethren, we are it. We are the ones. These, whoever... He was writing to, and the Hebrews are all dead. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him that appointed him, as also Moses was faithful in his house. For this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, insomuch as he also has built the house, has more honor than the house. For every house is built by some man, but he that built all things is God. Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken of. But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house are we, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. This is a warning. Wherefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. We are coming into a time in which our hearts can very easily be hardened. Brethren, this is going to be a very difficult year, I am, I'm afraid. I don't know, but I just, I'm afraid. Things are going to happen because of certain things that are coming through the legislature. So let's be, let's, let's be close to God. Let's be praying to God. Let's be close to uh, uh, the Father in every way and close to, to Jesus uh, this year. 
Let's make it a point in prayer and Bible study in every way in our life and to meditate on him on a continual basis. And Matt has a very good uh, session today and it was very interesting about all the things and everybody that was there was, uh, was giving some very good uh, advice on, on, on being able to, to strengthen ourselves during this time. So, the day of temptation in the wilderness. Uh, harden not your hearts. This isn't the provocation of the day of temptation in the wilderness. When your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works forty years, wherefore I was grieved with that generation, and said they do always err in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So I swore in my wrath that they should not enter into my rest. Take heed, brethren, lest there be a, any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. I exhort you daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. And the deceitfulness of sin is everywhere out there today, brethren. And it encroaches on our life constantly. And Matt was talking about um, the, the TV channels and all the different things that are out there. And it is very difficult to escape it unless you're willing to shut it all out and shut it in. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. We have to fight the battle all the way to the end of our life. All the way to the end of our life. While it is said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. For some, when they heard, did provoke, howbeit, however, not all that came out of Egypt by Moses. But when, with whom he was grieved forty years, was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? To whom, uh, and to whom swore he that they should not enter into his rest? But to them that believed not. That believed not. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Brethren, these days are so important. Believe what is being written. If you're listening and you come to this channel and you, and you turn me on, open the scriptures that I've just gone through and believe what it says. Please. The days are going to come in which you might not be able to hear the word. You might not be able to, to uh, come to, to Christ as easily because of the things that might come into, this, into the land that keeps us from preaching or teaching. I don't know. But the days do look a little bit different than they have in the past. Let us therefore, verse four, uh, chapter 4, verse 1, let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should c come short of it. Now, those are powerful words. And, and, and we need to take them in and understand. In, in 1 Corinthians the third chapter. Paul has a very interesting thing in which he teaches us about no other foundation. No other foundation. And, and it's, it's very interesting. Beginning in verse 10, according to the grace of God, which is given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds thereon. But let every man take heed how he builds thereon. For other foundation can no man lay than it is laid, which is Jesus Christ. You did hear that. No other foundation can no man lay that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. There's no other religion. There's no other um, helps or anything else out there. The foundation is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work, and what sort it is. If any man work, uh, work, man's work abide, which he has built thereon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so by fire. Now, let me see how far I wanted to go with this one. Know you not that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, this is 
This is so important for us to understand because we, we have a relationship with God. We have a relationship, and that relationship means that he dwells in us. It's not like the temple where they went and they sacrificed and they did that. We are to sacrifice ourselves. We are the temple of God and the spirit that dwells Spirit of God that dwells in us. You may welcome. I don't know that Matt mentioned it or not, but I want you to welcome Susan Mullins into the family. She was baptized, and we laid hands on her. Susan, just hang, raise your hand. There she is, right there, right there. She's she's a child of God. One of our sisters in Christ, and we just love her. So uh, give her a hug, uh, congratulate her, whatever. Uh, we're very, very thankful for Susan. Now, where was I? <laughs> I lost my place. Know you not that you are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwells in you. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy for the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seems to be wise in this world, let him become as a fool, that he may be wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, he takes the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are just vain. And they've got a lot of people out there that think they're wise, and they very much are very vain. Um, I did have 1 Corinthians 6. I want to go, let's go to Romans, the 8th chapter. Um, you might write that down, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20. Uh, it also talks about us being the, the temple of God. But I would like to get a couple of more, a few more scriptures in here before I finish up. And uh, let's go to Romans, the 8th chapter. By the way, Romans, the 8th chapter is one of the most beautiful, powerful, strong chapters in the Bible, <laughs> it's, it's worth a, a, a new creation in Christ to read chapter 8. It's worth an old but new person, the new man, to read chapter 8 on a regular basis because it's so filled with so much. For to be carnally minded, verse 6, is death, but to be spiritual minded is peace, is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God and is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. And the, my little, uh, it said controlled by the flesh. Sometimes we are controlled by the flesh, aren't we? We allow our own habits and stuff to get in the way. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so, be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of him. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of the sin. But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. It is, it is moving inside of us to bring us to righteousness. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwells in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you live after, uh, you shall die. But if you live you through the Spirit, mortify the, the deeds of the body, you shall live. For as many are as led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of sonship. It says adoption, but it, it really means sonship. That's what we are. We're, we become sons and daughters in Christ. We're not there yet, because we're still physical bodies. We haven't made it there yet. But we are called that. We're also called saints, holy ones. And we don't have to die to become a saint. We're already that. When you are baptized, you have received God's Holy Spirit, you are a saint. And whenever it talks about saints, that's what we are. And and it's personal. Whereby we cry, Abba, Father. 
The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. If children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. One more quick one here. Let's go to um, John, the 15th chapter. We were talking about this today, and I was uh, in, in Matt's uh, thing, Matt's message that he had, a um, little seminar that he was giving, and was very, very good. And I got to thinking about how important it is that we abide. And we, were, we were talking about the vine and how the, it was important for the nutrients. The nutrients have to come out of that center part, that, from the main body. I am the true vine, my father is the husbandman, or he's the vine dresser. Every branch in me that bears not fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he purges that it may bring forth more fruit. So there is a process going on all the time in all of our lives. As soon as we are baptized, God is, well, actually before. <laughs> when he starts calling us, we know that he's, he's working in our life. We can feel it. We know the movement that he's moving us towards the repentance, the coming to Christ. We feel that. But this is, this is important. During this time that we're living our life in this, we need to be bearing fruit, and Jesus is there, and the Father is there, and we are, are, are part of that, um, of that main branch, of that, uh, and we are the vines. He says, now you are clean through the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can you except you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. So that's what we are to do. We are to learn how to bring forth fruit. The beautiful fruit of love, joy, peace, and all the rest of the ones that are in there. He says, the same brings forth much fruit, for without me, you can do nothing. Without me, you can do nothing. And then he, then he says, if a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and the man gathers them and casts them into the fire, and they are burned. That's pretty sad. And if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done to you. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. I am going to, um, because of the time, I would like for you to go to Ephesians, the sixth chapter, and read that, in ver beginning of verse 10, about the, the armor. That's one thing that we can put on all the armor of God. Now, we've mentioned the wave sheet. And in Leviticus 23, 9 through 14, uh, they talk about the timing and how it is. And it's interesting that the Sabbath, this Sabbath, and this uh, holy day are back to back. So, the wave sheaf would have been today. Today, um, today is the wave sheaf offering. Uh, and so... In John, the, the 20th chapter, to tie this in, because the true wave sheet, the true offering, was Jesus Christ. He says, and then, let, let's, let's pick it up here. Um, in verse 12, and sees to Mary, verse 11, Mary stood outside the sepulcher weeping. And as she wept, she stood... Uh, as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher and saw two angels uh, in, in white sitting one, on the, one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had laid. And they said to her, Woman, why weep you? And she says to them, Because they've taken my Lord and I not know where they laid him. And when, when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, 
Woman, why weep you? Whom seek you? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you have borne him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary, to me that would have been pretty profound. (laughs) Having the relationship that those ladies had with Jesus, and then watching him being crucified, standing there and watching the blood drain out of him, and they taking that sword and killing Jesus, and finally, you know, and, and dying on, the, on there, and then the sword uh, poked into his side and, and all of that. It would have been so emotional. She, she turned herself to him, Rabbani, which is to say master. And Jesus said, touch me not. You can imagine what she wanted to do. For I am not ascended to my father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I ascend to my father and your father, and to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples what she had seen. And the Lord, that uh, he had spoken these words to her. You can imagine the emotion that was there. And in fact, you can imagine the emotion when, they were, when all the disciples realized that the resurrection was true. That he truly was resurrected. And he went out among them. It was a powerful, powerful thing. He was the true wave sheaf offering before the Father. He was also the lamb that was slain. He represents all of the wonderful things that we understand in the scriptures. He took all of those, and we, we can tie those all in. I want to leave, because it is that time, with a blessing. The blessing is here. And I, I always like to do that. We won't maybe see you again. I, hopefully you'll come for the last day, but if not, um, let, me, let me read it to you. And I'll, I'll leave it with those words that, that God wanted Aaron to tell the children of Israel. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and to be gracious unto you, brethren. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and truly, truly give you peace in the days ahead as we celebrate and understand the days of unleavened bread.